Welcome back to the Battery with Cap and Pat. Welcome back in, guys, after a crazy first week of college basketball. We got a lot of cool topics to cover out today. We will be back with you after the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight to cover full coverage of the Final Four, who's in it, who's going to win it. And hopefully we see a, another crazy week of college basketball. Uh, just looking at the first week right off the jump, two 12 seeds won. We had a 15 seed win and is now in the Sweet 16. Three 11 seeds. It's been a really good tournament, really competitive all the way around. Uh, throughout the show, actually, you might even have Pat give you some live reactions of the uh, Colorado Avalanche and Vancouver Canucks game that he's trying to close out a parlay on right now. Um, he needs it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it that way. He needs it. So root, root for the Avalanche, and we'll we'll see where that goes. But we have a few cool uh, shows coming up. Possibly, uh, we're gonna speak with the head coach of the Lake Area Academy where Pat's currently at about their plans, their uh, future plans. Maybe even get on the two former Chicago State uh, coaches, pitch, head coach Steve Joslin and pitching coach David Harden. But today is the day we are going to talk about March Madness, where it's gone, where it's taken us so far, and hopefully where we hope to see it in the future future weeks. Uh, Pat, I'm going to bring you in. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. I just saw you uh, taking down a gallon of chocolate milk there. Uh, didn't think we are going to get you in in time, but... Uh, that's what you're going well or what? Oh, yeah, baby. They're going well. How are you, Blake? <laughs> uh, not bad. We uh, we won our midweek yesterday here. At- Got your first college win. Let's go. That's a big day for you. First collegiate win. Let's go. We'll take it. Well, you know what? We'll take it. Yeah, I know. Um, but speaking of winning, uh, let's see if we can figure out who some of these teams are that are going to win this weekend. Okay. So you, seg- you segued me in perfectly here. And our first, first topic of the night, we're going to talk about how far these three teams in specific can advance. Number one, let's start with Iowa State. They're going up against Miami. So technically, we're really going to look at two teams here because these two teams obviously play each other. Uh, Iowa State had a fairly decent-sized upset against LSU in the 6-11 matchup. We could kind of see where that was headed in a way especially with LSU having trouble with everything that was going on with the new interim head coach. And they just never really got their bearings ended up being a 59 54 matchup. But if you really watch the game, you paid attention to it. LSU didn't do much to compete with Iowa state. And it kind of takes us back to our, our initial show where we covered March Madness. And we talked about how good the big 12 is. And, and Pat, I want your opinion on this. I'm bringing it back in here. Do you think that the Big 12's dominance in the show, in the show, excuse me, in the dance so far has proven itself to make Iowa State a dangerous team in the bottom of a bracket in the Midwest where Kansas is still alive? Uh, yes, I do. Actually, Blake, I just believe that just because they're a very good defensive team. And like you said last week, the Big 12 is definitely the best conference, um, you know, in the tournament. And I think it's going to line up to be an all big 12 kind of like elite eight kind of deal. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, you look at the dominance that the big 12 has had so far in the tournament. I mean, going into the sweet 16, they still have Texas tech in there, uh, Kansas, Iowa state still, and some, some really tough opponents 
that these teams are going to see, and I, I think are going to get the job done. And, and we'll, we'll really dive into that Texas Tech Duke game where we're going to kind of see where the ACC really was in dominance this year as well. Kind of going into what happened tonight in the Texas A&M and Wake Forest game, both of those teams looked like they were going to be the bubble teams. Obviously, both those teams' bubbles popped, uh, trying to get into the dance. But you can see how tonight how dominant Texas Tech looked. And it was clear as day. Like, it wasn't even close. Will that carry over into the dance? Could, maybe not. There, there is something to be said in the NIT how the teams with the higher C get a play at home. Could that have affected the game? 100%. You can even look at the Xavier game last night when they played Vanderbilt and have the same case with is the Big East bigger than the SEC. And in my opinion, I think it is. I and mean, you, you'll find you finally start to see kind of like the rankings of these conferences. And I think, like I said, right at the top is the Big 12. Right below that is, in my opinion, the Big East. And then right below that, again, would be the SEC. And I think the SEC and the Big East are kind of tied in a way. I just didn't like the way Auburn came out and played in the first weekend. They looked like a team that was going to be dominant throughout the entire tournament and really give Kansas a run for their money. I thought that was a horrible draw for Kansas out of the Midwest. I think the teams that you look at three through, I guess, five, the other teams that you would assume might make a run at that, I mean, would give them a chance. But Kansas, in my opinion, is going to be able to run away with that now with a, with a remaining matchup of Providence in the Sweet 16 and then a potential matchup versus Iowa State and Miami. Could I see an issue with Iowa State 100%, especially when teams start playing each other consecutive over and over again? Could be an issue. So, Pat, what do, what do you got on that? So, if you think – so, are you saying you have Iowa State over Miami? Yes, Blake, I do. I think Iowa State's just a really good overall team, and I think uh, Miami's luck is going to kind of run out this round. Okay, so give me some of your insight on what you think would, what would go down in the Iowa State and Kansas potential matchup. Uh, I think you would see Kansas kind of dominate that game because I haven't seen enough from Iowa State's offense to say anything differently. Uh, so with that being said, I think Kansas would not easily put them away, but I don't think I don't think it would be a close game at all if that makes sense. That's fair. I I look at their schedule though, and they've played Iowa State twice, and I can't tell you how many times, especially in these conference tournaments where teams have beaten a team twice in the regular season and could not get it done third time. You see it all the time. You see it in football, you, everything. When teams play each other consecutive times and a team has had their way with a team, it almost seems like that other team, even though odds are stacked up against them, they're just not getting the job done, right? They played Iowa State twice. The first time they played them when Iowa State was ranked 15th in the country, when Iowa State was really rolling early, they only won by a point, okay? So that's the first time they played them. Just looking at the box score as well, I mean, that game was in Kansas. Iowa State had the lead by two at the half and just kind of fell down late, lost by three in the second half, losing by one. The second time they played when they went to Ames and played in Iowa State, they had a nine-point victory and haven't played them since. There's a case to be made on both sides here. One, like I said previous this is the third time they're playing. Could that be a major issue? It could, but the other thing you have to pay attention to 
it's two things and twofold. One, you have to be afraid that Iowa State's catching their stride at the right time. That's number one. Number two, if you don't believe in that, then you shouldn't even believe in Iowa State to beat Miami, and here's why. Leading into the tournament, they kind of like just fell apart. They lose to Kansas by nine, as a previous stated. They lose Texas. They lose to Texas, Kansas State, West Virginia. They go on a hot streak with TCU, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Which, speaking of TCU, another Big Twelve team who played up against Arizona, really showed what they have. And against an Arizona team that looked like, who's going to be able to beat them after the way they ran through the Pac-12, right? So. If you believe that Iowa State's catching their stride right now, th that could be a horrible matchup for Kansas having to play them for the third time and having to try and beat them for a third time in a neutral site. Um, uh, Pat, do you know where those games are being played in the Midwest by chance? I do not off the top of my head. Uh, you know what? I'll look for you right now. Let's see. Midwest region. Oh, they're playing in Chicago. They're playing at the United Center. So, I mean, no advantage really either way. Uh, both pretty in the same geographic area. So fan bases can both make that game. Won't, I don't see it, especially if both teams make the Elite Eight, I don't see it being too favored either way. I guess, if anything, maybe Kansas, just how crazy they are with basketball. Um, but that should hurt Miami when you really think about it. Miami having to go all the way to Chicago. I don't see many... Hurricane fans going up to Chicago with in hopes in their mind that somehow, some way they can make the final four and the final fours in new Orleans. That'd be not a terrible trip for them, but I can, after knowing that that game's in Chicago, Kansas and Iowa state look like the clear cut favorites to come out of there. Do you think, do you think Providence gives them any issue though, Pat, before that? Um, I think that could be a good game. I think ultimately, I think just Kansas is probably your best team left in the tournament right now in that region of the bracket. Um, so I think, uh, you know, out of the four or two games in that bracket, four teams left, um, you know, I believe Providence may offer the toughest game for Kansas, but I don't think it's going to be a tough game. Do you think, do you think Providence in their two games so far, right? Uh, They've played South Dakota State in their first uh, first round matchup. They won by 11. And then they played Richmond in the second round matchup. And I believe they won that game by 18. Do you think the competition, they played a 13 and a 12 seed so far. Do you think what they've shown against those two teams is good enough with the thought in the back of their mind that they came in with a loss to Villanova a win versus Butler and then an immediate loss against Creighton in the Big East championship or uh, excuse me, Big East conference tournament. I don't, I still don't know if, if, if Providence has shown what they need. Obviously the win against Richmond is impressive, but Richmond's not a tournament team. If they don't beat, if they don't win the a 10 there at the end of the year, I'm skeptical with Providence, but it's a, it's a weird thing for me because they're a 27 and five team out of the Big East if they somehow find a their their final four ticket is to beat Kansas. The winner of the can in my opinion, the winner of the Kansas Providence game is most likely going to be able to beat either Iowa State or Miami. But that's enough with that topic. We went over those two teams, Iowa State and Miami. Let's let's shift over, and this will probably be fairly quick, but uh 
it's just an a, interesting opinion that I guess I'm looking forward to hearing from you, Pat. St. Peter's Peacocks. Miracle, miracle run so far. Able to beat Kentucky in overtime somehow. And then gets the job done against a 31-2 and Murray State team who had a lid on the basket the entire night. Couldn't, couldn't. They, they would go on a run. They'd go on an AO run. Well, St. Pete said, you know what? Okay, here's here's a 10-0 run, and we'll keep doing this back and forth. And it looked like a boxing match where Murray State just kept on trying to get up, and St. Peter's did not back down whatsoever. And in a game where you kind of think, oh, St. Peter's is now just happy to be there, right? Now they're rolling up against Purdue. And I, I can go one of two ways here. If you think the Evie kid's good enough, Jaden Evie's good enough to shoot the ball and win the game against St. Pete's, that's great. If you think they're seven, eight-foot dude, seven-four guy from Toronto, Zach uh, Edie, however you supposed to say his name, who just kind of puts the ball up there and hopes it goes in, he's, in my opinion, going to have to control the game. St. Peter's has shown what they need to do to put ball in basket from behind the three-point line, fadeaway jumpers, whatever they may, may need, they're not huge on the inside. And that's where I think they can hurt them. But if Edie's off or he gets in foul trouble, which I think that's where St. Peter's is going to try to go with this, don't be shocked if you see early in the game where Edie has to come out of the game because the St. Peter's guys are just driving the lane over and over and over again, trying to draw fouls on him. Getting in the bonus early is important for the St. Peter's team. I don't think this is out of the water. And you, you would think that the Kentucky game was out of the water, right? And that obviously didn't prove to be that. Purdue's coming in at 12 and a half point spread. And I think that's way too high, way too high. In my opinion, I was impressed with the Texas win that they had. They with winning by 10 Yale was neither here nor there. The Ivy league really wasn't as strong as it normally is in the past. I want your thoughts on this, Pat. If, and here's the question I posed to you. One, I don't want you to tell me who you think is going to win until you're done explaining what you have. But if Edie is not on his game, he's not rebounding, or he gets in foul trouble, whatever that might be, can the Peacocks pull off an upset? Oh, man, that is a very, very tough question. To be honest with you, everything's telling me no, but... It is March, and who would have thought that they'd be playing right now, you know? Uh, so is it I'm, fair to say that everything's telling you no, but your peacock is telling you yes? My little peacock is screaming at me. Take the peacock! Take the peacock! Um, but, you know, man, just like we just talked about it, I, I don't know. I really don't know what to say just because I wasn't expecting the peacocks to be a team that was going to do anything. And now they're possibly going to the elite eight. And like we, I know we talked about it the week before, but Purdue is one of those teams. They can lose in the first round or they could go to the final four. And I think this is one of those games where that that's going to be an option. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like I said, St. Peter's is not going to be able to keep compete on the boards. That's why their main goal has to be getting Edie out and out quick. 
force Purdue to shoot the ball and you win the game. All righty, we'll be right back. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. And we'll be back with talking about some one seeds and how close those games have been. We'll highlight some games. And we'll take our Sweet 16 updated picks, where we think that's going to lead into the Elite Eight, an updated Final Four prediction. And if your natty champ is still alive, we'll find out. We'll be right back here on The Battery. Hello, everybody. This is Pat here. Uh, just one of our sponsorships today, uh, coming to you from Lake Area Academy in good old Calvert City, Kentucky. If you're looking to get better, train with some good quality instructors, such as myself, Tyler O'Daniel, and Bryce Wills. Don't hesitate to reach out. Like I said, located in Calvert City. If you want to get better at playing some baseball, reach out to us. Let us help you develop. Sound good? Sounds good to me, baby. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk some one seeds and how close they really played here in the first round and the second round as well. And who's not going to make it out of their bracket? Obviously, we saw this with Baylor already. Unfortunately for them, we kind of saw how the injuries really plagued them late in the season, really affected them in the Big 12 tournament. What I thought was a really good team, still really young, just a tough draw there against North Carolina. I'll bring Pat back in and – you look at the games that were played, not so much the 116 matchups, obviously, but the 1-9s and the 1-8s. I guess the only 1-8 was North Carolina, but the 1-9s. The Arizona TCU game and the Gonzaga-Memphis game were both five-point games. In fact, Gonzaga was actually four points, excuse me. Five points differential between TCU and Arizona and a seven-point differential between Kansas and Creighton. Looking at the one seed matchups rolling into this week, we have Gonzaga and Arkansas, Arizona and Houston, KU and Providence. Now, you already know my opinion about KU and where I think they can go in this tournament, if not win the whole thing, from what I said last week. But I'm going to bring Pat back in, and I want your opinion, Pat. Which one seed is in danger of not making the Final Four? Gonzaga, Arizona, or Kansas? Uh, you know, Blake, to be completely honest with you, I'm probably going to have to go with Arizona. I like the style Houston's been playing. Uh, they play quick. They play good defense, but they play quick. And now Arizona does too. I think you're going to see a very high-scoring game, and I think you're going to see a very good game between Arizona and Houston. Uh, ultimately, I think Houston's going to pull it out. For me, I would. I don't really matter uh, who wins that game. I think that's going to be probably one of the best matchups this weekend. Uh, just being completely honest with you. And then you know we also got the Gonzaga game. I think Zag is going to wipe the floor with our Arkansas. I think that's going to be a joke of a game. Uh, and then Kansas, like I said, out of the final four remaining in that Midwest bracket, that'll this will probably be Kansas, Kansas's last hard game before they reach the final four. Yeah, when I look at what's going on in the West, the South, and the Midwest, I kind of have to look at the talent that's remaining and. It's just not there in the Midwest with Providence, Miami, and Iowa State, even though I think – although I think Miami won't give either Kansas or Providence a game, I do think Iowa State can cause an issue, and that would be kind of a cool thing to see as an 11 seed making it to the Final Four. Is it likely? No, but anything in this tournament right now seems to, if it's not likely, go that way. I kind of agree with you on Arizona – I kind of don't, and here's why. I think Gonzaga has the tougher route right now. I, I don't really think Arkansas is going to get wiped off the floor. I, I 
saw the line. I think it's still currently nine and a half. Uh, you can look at look that at look that up for me and see if it's still there. I think you're shaking your head. So yeah. Yes, it's, it, yes, it is. I, I don't I don't see Gonzaga beating Arkansas by double digits. I just that doesn't that doesn't stand out to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Arkansas played a close game against Vermont, a very good Vermont team, a team that even you thought could win in the first round. And then they played New Mexico State, who's been in the tournament year in and year out and competes in that 5-12 matchup, which seems like every single year. Arkansas is going to be a tough matchup. And then whoever you see in the Texas Tech-Duke, which in my opinion, you're probably going to see Texas Tech. I think that's where Coach K's run comes to an end, unfortunately, for him and the Duke faithful. I'm sticking with the Big 12. And in looking at the South, there is no Big 12 teams. Houston's going to be tough, but I, and it's a shame that Arizona and Houston have to play each other in the first round or in the Sweet 16. This would have been a fabulous Final Four matchup to go to go to the, the championship. Michigan and Villanova, I think Villanova should get the job done. I think this is where Michigan kind of just their magical run, if you if that's what you want to call it, comes to an end. Uh, against Villanova and then I think whoever plays whoever plays Villanova in the Arizona Houston potential matchup I think is going to be a great game Houston's look extremely dominant with a 68-53 win over Illinois and Illinois squeaked by Chattanooga let's let's put that first but I mean Houston Houston's played in a 5-12 matchup and a 5-4 matchup and it looked like they were playing a high school team and against an Illinois team who's been really good and dominant in the Big Ten all year. So it's going to be interesting to see the Pac-12 and Big Ten kind of match up. We haven't really seen that too much throughout the tournament, uh, if, if any, in that, in fact. And we'll kind of – there we go again with, with the whole rankings. If I, if, I, if I look at that and I look at Houston and I look at Arizona, uh, you think Houston right off the bat just because of their size, right? I don't think – but Arizona – they're good down low. You actually saw what kind of sealed that game against TCU was that dunk put back, which was unreal. Uh, kind of broke the back with TCU. So in my opinion, I, I, I think the, the best games to still watch are in the South and the West. But I think the West is going to be a great weekend starting on the 24th tomorrow, seeing what happens with Coach K and where Gonzaga can go with Arkansas. So, Pat, you said uh, you think the next one seed is going to be in trouble is Arizona, correct? Correct. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Gonzaga <laughs> again. Still think both teams could find their way in the Final Four. I'm not saying that they're not going to win. Just saying, I think this is where the toughest route is. Kansas, I think, still has a cakewalk in my opinion. Uh, we're going to go to a qu- another quick commercial break. When we're back, we're going to highlight some games: uh, Nova, Michigan, Arizona, Houston. North Carolina, UCLA, and Tech and Duke. We'll be right back. Hey, Battery fans, go check out Aries Fitco on Instagram, A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O. Any workout apparel, sweatpants, T-shirts, he's got it for you. Go check him out. Again, Aries Fitco, R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O on Instagram, Aries Fitco. And welcome back to the Battery. Uh, We're going to have to talk about some two highlighted games. Pat's got two of them. I got two of them. He wants to talk about Villanova versus Michigan and Arizona versus Houston. I'm going to come in right after that with my two games, uh, but I'll let Pat lead off. Pat, what do you got in the Nova-Michigan game, and why is that intriguing to you? Uh, Yeah, Blake, I think that that game is very intriguing to me just because I believe that, you know, you and me said last week that we think Nova is a team that nobody's talking about, right? 
And, you know, they're quietly just going along, going along, and they're doing their jobs. Michigan, though, like, uh, just like we, we were talking about Iowa State hitting their stride at the right time, Michigan might be that team right now. But, you know, just building off of what we talked about last week, I still to this moment believe that Nova's probably that team that we need to talk about and people need to start taking recognition of. And I think Noah's going to knock down Michigan pretty, not easily, but I think they're going to handle them pretty good, to be honest with you. And then that, that Houston game, you know, I kind of gave you my opinion about that one. I think Houston's going to run away with that one. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring competitive game, but we'll see what happens. I, yeah, the Arizona-Houston game, I believe that one is on the 25th. So we have a few days before that one's going to go off. But the scoring is what's going to be outrageous in that game. I think Houston's going to be able to control the boards and, and Arizona's going to have to shoot. And it, in my opinion, it's going to be who's going to get in foul trouble early, kind of like in the St. Peter's game where if Edie gets in trouble foul-wise and forces Purdue to shoot the ball, which they have shooters, and, and, and they're not going to have an issue with that as well. But when you get into a shooting matchup with a team that you're supposed to beat – that's where you usually get in trouble, right? So it's going to be an interesting game. I, I Don't count the Peacocks out, even though it's a long shot. It's a long shot that they've even made it there. Two games I want to talk about, and the game I want to lead off with is North Carolina and UCLA. And the reason why I want to bring that one up is just, frankly, the fact of how they've gotten there so far. North Carolina had to beat Marquette, which I don't even think Marquette showed up. I think they might have said, hey, top – Towel boys, you want to play today? And <laughs> they beat them 90, 95 to 63. Come in against a Baylor team, again, that's beaten up at one point of a 25-point lead over them, and they force overtime, get the job done in overtime, and find themselves in the Sweet 16. Then you look at UCLA, a team that was an 11 seed out of the first four in last year's tournament and found themselves in the, from the first four to the final four with almost the same team. And a lot of people kind of had St. Mary's as an upset special right there in that four or five matchup. And UCLA kind of struggled to get out of that Akron game, but then really cruised against St. Mary's at no point was that game really close. So you have two contrasting styles of play here. North Carolina, usually very quick UCLA, usually slower pace and that's why you only saw 57 points against an Akron team that again they controlled the pace but both teams you're not going to see a lot of points inside right North Carolina is a big three-point three-point shooting team as is UCLA and and that's how they were be able, that that's how they were able to get through the Pac-12 was being able to shoot the three ball and keep their themselves in the game day in and day out just because of that ability there's not going to be much inside play here in my opinion at a total here it's going to go way under and that's and that's my opinion i unless somehow both these teams come out and just shoot 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 and don't miss this game's going to go way under way quick and i'm not going to give you who i think is going to win the game because we're, we're going to go over sweet 16 picks here in the next segment this game's going to be tight all the way through. Again, like I said, very low scoring in my opinion. Should be a fun matchup to watch, even though there won't be as many points going down the hoop. Next one is the Texas Tech and Duke game. Uh, Duke 
in their first round matchup against Cal State Fullerton, got the job done 78-61. And then again, against Tom Izzo, uh, what seems to be a reoccurring matchup in the NCAA tournament and even in the regular season, it's always fun to watch Coach K and, and Tom Izzo play against each other or coach against each other, rather. Uh, they get a, a nine-point victory over Michigan State in an 85-76 matchup which leads them to a game on the 24th tomorrow night against Texas Tech, who found themselves in a struggle game against Notre Dame, who was in the, the first four, was able to, again, another one of those teams that had a last-second breath in, in a way where their bubble didn't burst. They got into the tournament, and they kind of did something with it. I mean, they, they beat a very good Alabama team. Well, I don't want to say very good. Alabama was a much different team this year than they were last year. Uh, and you made the point in the last show where Alabama's one of those teams where, hey, if they get in a game with anybody in the tournament, if they shoot like they can shoot, they're going to win the game. They shoot threes. That's what they live on. They live and live and die by that. And they died. And Notre Dame, again, if you watch that game, it looked eerily similar to the Rutgers game where – we're going to put the ball down low. Good luck stopping it. We're going to get you in the bonus early. We're going to outboard you. We're going to get more points in the paint. And that's what gets most of the jobs done here in the entire bracket so far. But I think with Texas Tech and, and the dominance that they've shown throughout the season and even in the tournament, a five-point-plus win in the tournament is almost a blowout right now. You look at the competition and how good some of these teams – have been so far. I mean, you you got you got what did we say earlier in the show. We had three eleven seeds win so far in the six eleven matchup, which isn't. I mean, you're not they're not huge upsets, but I mean, Notre Dame figured out a way to win. Michigan found a way out to win, and Iowa State found a way to win. Right, two of those elevens are in the Sweet Sixteen with another fifteen seed. But going back to what I'm highlighting here, and that is again the Texas Tech and Duke game. I don't think Duke gets past this game for one reason and one reason only, and that is the strength of schedule that Texas Tech had to endure throughout the regular season. The ACC was down, and they were the cream of the crop in the ACC. The ACC was down. It's showing in the NIT, and it's showing in the big dance. Is there something to be said that this is this could be Coach K's last game? Are they going to fight a little harder? Are they going to be able to win a game? That's up for discussion. In my opinion, I think Texas Tech is still one of the better teams in this entire country, even as a three seed. But we'll, we'll dive more into that. We're actually going to bring in a guest here. And this guest is actually my dad, Brian Kaplan. And we're going to go through all of our Sweet 16 picks, including Mike. Uh, we'll go from top to bottom. I'll start with Pat. We'll go to Mike. And then we'll go to my dad, and we'll just ride all the way through. I'll give you the matchup. You can tell me the winner if you have something you want to say about it. Be my guest. Uh, if it's just a no contest in your opinion, I don't see many no contests in this entire Sweet 16. You can just give me a winner and say I move on. Totally up to you. Like I said, we'll start with uh, Pat. We'll go to Mike. My dad. We'll go through all eight matchups and then we'll lead ourselves into the final four and my champion's still in it. I'm not sure if Pat is Mike's <laughs> or my dad's, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go through it and uh, we'll wrap up the show. 
So, Pat, I'm going to start with Zaga in Arkansas. I'm going with Zaga. Okay, Mike? Nothing. I, I agree. Going Gonzaga all the way. Okay. I'm going with Gonzaga, but I, I think they had a wake-up call. And the way they played the second half of their last game is the team we've seen over and over again. As a matter of fact, I've, uh, I know we don't on this show talk about what we would do um, from a betting standpoint, but if I were betting this game, I'd be laying the nine and a half with Gonzaga. You know, I look at that game and I have to go the complete opposite, not on who wins the game, but who covers the game. And I, I think that's Arkansas. I, you look out through the whole entire year, and, and here's why I say this. Look at what St. Mary's did against UCLA. Not much, right? Look at what the SEC has been able to do. And I know I'm using the NIT as an example a few times, but the NIT and this tournament, right? Yeah, Auburn and and, um, and Kentucky kind of have their slip-ups, but that's March Madness. Arkansas will cover this game and with ease, if not win it. I think Zaga wins the game but I think they cover the nine and a half with ease. Ease. We'll move on. Let's talk about Tech and Duke. Pat. Uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> disagree with you. I'm going to go with Duke just because I still believe that uh, what's their face, Duke is going to get a lot of calls late just because it's Coach K's last season. And you know how the NCAA works. Mike? I would like to disagree. I'm going tech, uh, Texas Tech. It will be a close game, but I think Texas Tech barely edges one out. All righty. Going to be a very, very competitive game. You know, I think the theme of, of Coach K's last year and, and the idea that Pat said about uh, the officials maybe giving the benefit of the doubt to Duke definitely is, is, is tempting. But this line, in my opinion, begs people to bet Duke. It's minus one. It hasn't moved. It's begging you. It's just absolutely begging you to take Duke with all the things that uh, can come into play here. So with that, and usually when that's – and Blake, you spoke about this on your show last week, I believe. Uh, usually when you see a, a number that looks too obvious, um, it just – you go the other way. And so I'm going to take Texas tech and what I think will be coach K's last game. Yeah. We, we talked about that in the South Dakota state and Providence game. And we looked at it and we were like one and a half. We, that doesn't make much sense. I did you, you said you were going with Duke or tech. I'm going to take tech just because I think it's begging you to take Duke. I think okay. it's begging you to take Duke. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you there. I, I just don't think the teams that Duke has been able to play, and this is going to kind of match up with my pick in the UCLA-North Carolina game without giving up too much. The strength of schedule has, has almost come out to play immensely throughout the entire tournament, and that's why you, you see the Big 12 and the Big East, the two, te- the two conferences that we, that we talked about in week one that we believe to be the premier of the entire tournament, and that's come to fruition. So I'm taking Tech and what I really could see almost a 10, 10 or more point victory. And Duke's one of those teams, and they've shown it throughout the year, 
where if they're kind of just, a, if they're in trouble or they just kind of fall down for whatever reason, you saw it in the North Carolina game where they were, they got down like five or six and then they crawled back to about a three, couldn't really close it into a tie at, at no point. And then when they finally realized, oh, well, we're down 10 with about seven minutes left, they wrapped it up and lost 94 to 81 to North Carolina, you know? So I'm going to go tech. And that's going to lead us into Duke's rival, North Carolina UCLA. Pat, lead us off. Yeah, with this UCLA game, I've been riding UCLA all year. I think I'm going to stick with them in this game. I just think they're, I think they're very underrated, kind of like Villanova team. Uh, not much talking about them, and especially after their Cinderella run last year. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with UCLA here. Nice, Mike. I'm going UNC. I don't care if UCLA might be the better team. I will never root for a UCLA team. I don't care what sport. So I'm going UNC all the way on this one. Gotcha. Uh, some factors here. Uh, there's questions to UCLA's health after the last game. Um, you know, the ACC is making a great showing here, even into the Sweet 16. Uh, when they were all year, it was talk of other conferences. Um, brutally tough game here. Brutally tough game, but I think UNC's run comes to a close here, and I'm going to take UCLA. I agree with that. I'm going to follow up with UCLA. Um, you look at Tyler, uh, excuse me, Tiger Campbell and what he's been able to do of, of late and what he was able to do in the tournament last year for UCLA. I mean, right now he's averaging 16 points in postseason play which gets the job done and you need those you need those strong guards you hear that all the time in in tournament play it's the guard play that gets you wins and tiger campbell is going to be the best player on the court the entire game and so i got ucla i'm going to back that up with you i think the remaining acc teams again in duke and north carolina i think it was a good run for both of them i think it's going to be a little bit of a disappointing loss for north carolina here uh, especially what they've been able to do of late uh, in the ACC tournament and now in the, in the dance. I just think UCLA is going to prove to be a little too much for them. Uh, I'm going the Bruins. Uh, let's round out the East and let's talk Purdue and St. Peter's, Pat. Uh, I'm just going to go with Purdue and I'm going to just, I think St. Peter's has a legit chance of covering the spread, but I also think <clears throat> that Purdue, uh, they kind of turned it on against Texas when they had to. So I think if Purdue ends up covering, it'll be a late cover, kind of like what they did against uh, Texas last well couple days ago. Mike? I think St. Pete continues uh, the streak one more game. I'm, I'm taking St. Pete over Purdue just one more time. You heard it here first, folks. In Michael Goodberry's bracket, he's got the St. Pete Peacocks taking down Purdue. Well, I have a little different perspective on this game, and it's several fold. I saw something at the end of the St. Peter's last game that was real interesting that probably none of you picked up on or most people in general didn't pick up on. But when uh, uh, they did their little dance for TV and on the TV, and after that was over, there was additional coverage that wasn't on national TV, but it was on one of the other stations. And the players were congratulating each other. And one guy, the, 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 uh, 
the one guard came up to the one big man and they were all celebrating and all happy. And he says, Hey, but we're not done. And he says, we all know that we're not done. Okay. That's historically what has been something that's made March madness really what it is. Now, Purdue's got an extremely big size advantage, a bigger size advantage than, I mean, Kentucky had a, obviously a bigger size advantage and St. Peter's was able to do it. But I think St. Peter's probably went back to Jersey City this week and things have been surreal. While you still have visions of sugar plums and national championships and, and miracle runs going on, they were greeted by fans that haven't had that kind of success from an athletic standpoint in their entire lives. So for me, I think from a betting standpoint, if I were going to take St. Peter's, it would have to be a first half bet. If that would be the only bet I could make on this game, uh, by the way, I don't know that Purdue's going to, I think Purdue wins the game and I'm taking Purdue as my pick. But if I, if I had to make one bet in this game, it would be St. Peter's first half because I think they'll have enough in them to hang with Purdue for a half. But I think the real true strength shows up in the second half. And I think the glass slipper falls off here for St. Peter's. So I'm taking Purdue. Yeah. We, we talked about the size advantage earlier in the, in the day. It's going to be interesting. It, like I said, I think St. Peter's could outshoot in field goal percentage from the three point range and in jumpers. I think they can outshoot Purdue. They're going to get dominated on the boards if they don't control the bonus. They don't control fouls. They have to get Edie in the, in, in the bonus or, or in foul trouble early. If Edie has two or less fouls going into the second half, it, it's the Cinderella story is done. It's it's just it's and, not it's not it's not going to last much longer. And, they're going to get they're going to get dominated on the boards. Go ahead. Right, and in reality, I know we haven't gotten to this game yet, and I don't know if you guys spoke about. The- this earlier but in the Villanova Michigan game I see the same type of scenario if Villanova stays out of foul trouble I think they'll, they'll they'll easily do away with Michigan but if they get in foul trouble with Michigan's bigs inside they're in trouble and, and Michigan could move on but, but go ahead I'm, I didn't want to skip ahead to that game but it's a similarity here uh, with the athleticism versus the size advantage yeah no worries so just to be clear I am I am going to take Purdue like I said, though, if if they are able to get him into foul trouble and they're able to control the boards at what any point, watch out. You could see St. Pete in a game away, one game away from the Final Four. All right, let's you go. Know, Blake, hang on, Blake, really quick. One thing yeah. I want to add to that, uh, the thing that scares me about Purdue is they're not a good free throw shooting team. They, I mean, down this, I mean, if it's a close game going into the, I, I'm not confident that Purdue's going to go two of two, let alone one of four from the line. I mean, they just got lucky, I guess, last time when they played Texas. Uh, you know, Purdue was 33 of 46 from free throw line. Now, 46 free throw attempts in the game is unreal. Uh, you know, 33 points from the free throw line, that's half their points. Uh, they scored, ended up scoring 81 against Texas. So, you know, as a big school like that, I think a lot of these games are going to end up coming down to free throws, and I think we're going to see some – some games end up not going the right way because of these big name schools not being in like free throws. You know, that's a really good One point. point. And, and if you look at if you look at the Murray State game against them, look what Murray State did. 
they missed consecutive free throws over and over and over again. And, and look what that ended up doing for them. That's a really good point about what, what Purdue can struggle from the line. And, you know, I actually look back at a game when Purdue played Michigan State on the road in East Lansing. They lost that game because of missed free throws. And what came down to a buzzer beater three-pointer that a guy sank at the buzzer, those points add up. You miss a one-and-one here where you, where you miss the front end. You don't even get the second shot. That's a big point. Uh, I know you had one point there you wanted to bring in. Yeah, I want one more point here, which is going to be a common theme for me with a majority of the rest of our games. You know, you have to, in these Sweet 16 games, you have to look at the coaching advantages as well. I think that's something that's completely overlooked. I mean, it's. I was talking to a guy the other day that actually an analyzes the the officiating crews in these games, and that's a big point too. When you get into that kind of stuff, just like umpiring and so forth. But the common theme in the last few games here that we're going to go over, I think, could come down to coaching. And in this particular game, there's no doubt in my mind that Matt Painter is the uh, has the advantage with Purdue as the coaching. I've watched the St. Peter's coach through the first couple of games. He, I know they talk about him probably never coaching another game at St. Peter's after this tournament's over because he's going to move on to bigger and better, whatever. I've watched this guy. And if you watch this game, if it starts to get away, he loses his head. Just like I mentioned to you about the, and it was funny because they ended up facing each other in the Mac conference championship which was the Mammoth coach, uh, he was the same way. It was a matchup of two guys that just, when it gets away a little bit, they lose their head. You watch this guy. I don't even like the way he interviews when he, when he talks about how they're playing and so forth and so on. He almost has a bit of a militant type, um, but not positive approach, in my opinion. And I think that could play a big factor in several, one of these, uh, several of these Sweet 16 games, one of which I'm going to mention who I think should be the college basketball coach of the year. You know, right. just hang on, like just to build yeah. off of that, uh, you know, I totally agree with you, Papa Cap, about um, Painter being the superior coach. But he, I, I'm looking, I think we're both kind of looking at it as the way of, you know, he's a Big Ten coach. Yeah, they were ranked number one. But I mean, he's been at Purdue for a long time, and this was the first time they actually done something. So I'm, I'm not saying what you said was wrong, but I'm also I'm going to counter counteract your uh, statement by me saying he hasn't been here. Mm -hmm. So you, we don't know what he's going to do under pressure. Just like we don't know what the St. Peter's coach. Now, like you said, if you if I had to pick one, I absolutely I picked the Purdue coach. You know, they play way tougher competition. He should theoretically have a better perspective. but there's a reason Purdue hasn't been a Sweet 16 team every year. And St. Peter's is playing with house money. So, I, can't, I can't argue it. I'm just saying that I think when it comes down to comparing apples and apples, the mitigating factor in some of these games, and it could very well be in the Duke-Texas Tech game, that it can come down to coaching. It can come down to officiating. Um, it just, you know, if you've got Big Ten officials uh, doing a – doing a game that's uh, a pack 12 versus uh, 
ACC opponent, whatever. There's all kinds of factors, but one thing's glaringly clear, coaches that have, and, and Painter arguably doesn't have the kind of reputation, reputation that some of the other coaches that are still alive in the Sweet 16 have, but at the same time, when I'm comparing him against St. Peter's coach, I have to give the advantage to Purdue. Oh yeah. And I was, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I am a hundred percent agreeing. I just, you know, just seeing a coach K or like an Izzo, like from Michigan state, we kind of know what they're going to do because they're consistently in, you right. know, the sweet 16, elite eight, all that. I mean, I just like, I am, don't get me wrong. I am a hundred percent agreeing with you, but like it, yeah, the edges to Purdue and their coaching staff, but I don't think it's as big of a gap as people think. All righty, I'm going to step in real quick. Those are some really good points. We're going to go to one final break, and we'll be right back with our South and Midwest Sweet 16 picks. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Blake. Are you looking to make a podcast? Well, I got a guy for you. Look up Young Enterprises on Instagram. They are currently looking for podcasts that they can produce, and they're the ones you should go for. Young Enterprises on Instagram. All righty, we're back, and we're going to wrap it up here with our final Sweet 16 picks. And like I said, uh, we'll make sure we'll get you the final four and our champion pick as updated in our brackets. Uh, I'll bring Pat in here. Uh, quick pick for me here, Pat. Miami, Iowa State. I know we went over this one a little bit. I'm going Iowa State. Okay. I just like the Big 12, and I think they're hitting their stride at the right time. Mike? You got nothing else to add. I agree. Iowa State. Plan for me, guys, again, Jim Laranega and Iowa State. It was a two-win team last year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they've really turned it around. Um, but uh, I like this Miami team right now. I like what they did in the ACC tournament. I like the way that they've, they've stayed poised in the first two games of this tournament. And um, – I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they end up in the final four. So you're taking Miami. I'm taking Miami. Well, in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. We're all going Iowa State, and we're sticking to it. I like the way they've played. I think they're coming hot again. They fell apart late in the season. They were very good, one of the best teams in the country early in the season. Got in a little bit of a trouble when they when they went to the Big 12 or got into Big 12 play rather, but they're they've been hot of late, and I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm going Iowa State. Let's go up to the bracket. Let's go to the one seed in the Midwest, Kansas, playing Providence. Uh man, I'm just Kansas. I think they're gonna just kind of have their way with Providence and gonna set up that Big 12 Elite Eight in that region. Mike, who you got? If we all remember, Kansas it was my team to win it all. They haven't given me a, a reason to change my pick yet, so I'll stick Kansas. Very nice. Kansas in a brutal dogfight. This game will be decided in the last five minutes, in my opinion, and I, I know that's not going to be a popular opinion either on this show and or around the country, but I am going to make a prediction that the, this the last five to eight minutes – this game will be truly decided, and I'm going to edge to Kansas. I'm going to go with Kansas, but Providence is one of my teams 
that I loved watching them play throughout the year. And then even in the Big East tournament, the problem I have with Providence, and if you look at their schedule throughout the year, they're just one of those teams that when they play, ironically, they played St. Peter's earlier in the year. So that's one point. So they have a win against a Sweet 16 team uh, in St. Peter's and in Texas Tech. Uh, the issue I have with St. Peter's is, or excuse me, uh, with Providence is of of late, the good teams that they've had to play, right? And I'm not really counting Marquette anymore just because I didn't like the way they played. I guess you can count Creighton. Uh, I wasn't even really impressed with what they did in the, in the tournament. Uh, when you look at when they've played really high-quality opponents like Villanova, they didn't get the job done, and they didn't look very good doing it either. Even though those games were close, in a way – they get in dog fights with teams and the, the, the weird part is, is when they get into these battles, they don't usually win them. And this could have been a very different game or year for Providence for how many games that they, that were decided for less than five points. If I mean one role or the other one foul shot or another, this team might not even be in the tournament. And I know that sounds crazy for a team that had five losses, but when you look at the amount of wins that they had by less than three points, it's out there. I mean, they go from a four seed and a 27 and five and first in Big East to maybe looking like a UConn at 13 and six in the Big East. And it's a, it's a total different route for them as a five seed rather than a, than a four seed. Do I think they're going to beat Kansas? No, I don't. But I do agree. I think this is going to be a great game to watch. In my opinion, probably the second best game behind Arizona and Houston in the Sweet 16, which we'll go to that next. But before that, let's talk Michigan and Villanova. Pat, lead off. Yeah, this game I think is going to be one of those underratedly weirdly good games. Um, you know, you got the coach beater for Michigan. Uh, and then you got, you know, Villanova who just – they just do their job. Like, that's the best way I can say it is they just come in and do their job. Like you said, they took care of business in the Big East, and even though they won the Big East, nobody really talked about it. Um, they had some injuries at the beginning of the year, and they're finally healthy. They got that guy, Gillespie, who I think is going to be – I mean, it's, they everything goes through him. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with Nova, and I hope Nova beats the living hell out of Michigan. Mike, who you got? Going same trend as with Kansas. Uh, I had Nova in the final four. Um, I don't see another reason to uh, deviate from my pick, so I'm sticking with Nova. Yeah, again, uh, coaching advantage to a guy that's won two national championships and Jay Wright. Um, yeah, and I'm with Pat on this, I mean, as well as Mike, but I'm with Pat on the theme that I – I really hope Villanova takes it to him. I, I did not like what Howard did. Um, I don't think, honestly, I know they've won, Michigan's won two games in this tournament. And I know you guys touched on this in your previous podcast, but a team that like Texas A&M, who's now in the semifinal going to New York in the NIT was much more deserving in my opinion than the Michigan Wolverines at 17 and 15. Uh, I think the woke NCAA 
literally put Michigan in the tournament at 17 and 15 because they were trying to make play makeup with Howard for the suspension and all that garbage. So it's one man's opinion. I have a right to it. It's free country. And I hope Villanova kicks the crap out of them. Here's my opinion on this game. Michigan, where they're at right now, reminds me too much of UCLA last year. And here's here's why I say that. One, both 11 seeds and subpar in the Big 12 – or excuse me, Big 10 and the Pac-12 for UCLA last year. As weird as this might sound, if Michigan is able to beat Villanova, they will be in the Final Four. Michigan has so much talent that underperformed this entire year. And I think that's what's going to make them an 11 seed that doesn't, I mean, at this point in the year where you, when you have 16 teams left, the 16 best teams in the entire country of college basketball, seeding does not make a difference anymore. What matters is the talent and if the talent shows up to perform. And if it doesn't, that's when you have teams like St. Peter's beat a Kentucky or, or whatever, Right. What happens tomorrow in the Michigan game versus Villanova will tell you whether or not Michigan will be in the final four. I don't think they're going to win the game, but if they win the game, they'll be in the final four and they will beat Arizona and they beat Houston. And don't be shocked if they win the whole thing. They have so much talent, so much NBA talent. That's that's fresh and new. And who knows? This might be the six games that they come out of nowhere and figure out a way to do it together. I think it ends tomorrow. But like I said, if this team wins, they will be in the final four. Last game of the Sweet 16, one more breakdown. One of the, I, I think the most exciting game, which might be in the entire tournament, Arizona and Houston. Pat, who do you got? I think this is, like you just said, I think this is going to be an awesome. I think this is probably until the Final Four, I think this is going to be your best game in the tournament besides that Arizona and TCU one. Um, I think TCU's got, I mean, uh, Arizona's got a really good head coach. And, you know, just building off that experience thing. Uh, Kelvin Sampson, I think that's Houston's coach's name. Uh, I know he's faces allegations and whatever, whatnot, who has it in the NCAA to scam anyways. And with that being said, I think that Houston, if they play like they did the first two games, I think they're going to put up a good fight. I just think Arizona is too fast. Like, I think Arizona is just that team this year that I think can go all the way, maybe not win it, but go for a little bit longer. And I hate to pick against Houston because I've been riding them in the tournament, but I'm going to go with Arizona because I've been riding them all year. Mike, who do you got? As everyone knows, <laughs> I'm not a big basketball guy, but this matchup is going to be one where I make sure I watch a basketball game. Um, it's going to be close. It's going to be fun to watch, but I have Arizona winning. Yeah, for me – it's going to be Houston, and I'll tell you why. I watched the Arizona coach after game one. Um, he went to his fan base and said things that basically were trying to motivate the Wildcats at basically playing home. They, uh, the Arizona 
fans came out the next game against TCU and it wasn't much better. I, I, I listened to the game. I don't think that I think it was a very morning dove type crowd. And yet Arizona it took overtime to get past a, a TCU team that, that was better than I think anybody thought they would be with Jamie Dixon. Now, Calvin Sampson, in my opinion, should be the college basketball coach of the year. Houston lost two starters in the middle of the season. Sasser, the guard Sasser, um, one of the best guards in the country. And they've able, been able to rebound and still were able to uh, uh, get a five seed and fight their way through the first two opponents. I think Houston wins this game. I think they win it, and I think – I think they could win by 10. Really? You think Houston going to – I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you in regards to Kelvin Sampson. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think he got thrown under the bus a little bit with the stuff he faced in his past. Uh, I don't yeah. think a lot of people respect him. But at the end of the day, the guy wins. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people – what's that? He wins, and he, he wins and he's won in different places. It's not just yes. – you know, he's won big in one place in Oklahoma, and then it kind of went away. Guys like him and Lon Kruger, I mean, Lon Kruger was always one of my favorite coaches because he was able to win at Florida. He was able to win at UNLV. He was able to win at Oklahoma. Everywhere as he went, he won. And, um, you know, Sampson's kind of the same guy. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick Barnes, he was kind of the same type of guy, even though they fell short this year with Tennessee. But, but uh those guys, I mean, you can make a case for him to be a college bas- basketball coach of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely agree. A uh, little off topic here, but, like, I wonder, you know, all these coaches that are facing all these, like, uh, Bill Self at Kansas, uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson, uh, Will Wade from LSU just got let go. A uh, little off topic, but we'll get right back on it. You know, I wonder if – and, uh, and uh, NILs were available, you know, six years ago, if they'd still right. be facing these allegations. Because, you know, I mean, theoretically, NIL has been going on for, I mean, probably since you were went to college. I mean, theoretically, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm sure it was different back then, but, like, you know, I'm sure there has always been that thing for all these big programs, even some small ones. But, you don't, you know, like Shy State, nobody cares. It's Shy State. Fire Elliott Charles. Um, and, uh, you know, don't just building off of that is, you know, those big schools, those Kentuckys that face these allegations. I wonder if they can really like hold those allegations, you know, over their heads anymore because of what they're doing. Right. And it's just, you know, cause essentially that's what they were doing. They were paying the players and they were, you know, they were now there's probably some of it where it's like, okay, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that, but with all these new rules, I mean, who really knows if what they did is really illegal today? And I think that's why you see people like Kelvin Sampson, Mike Krzyzewski, John Calipari, Bill Self have continued success because even though they may – and Bill Self is not really a good example, neither is Coach K, but Calipari did it at Memphis. He did it at UMass. He did it at Kentucky. Sampson, he's done it all over. I mean – there's a reason they win. It's because they do it their way and they don't really give a shit if it hurts people's feelings. And in today's world, huh? 
Then look at Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino's my hero. He's a great coach. Like, great coach, and I think he should – I don't think he's going to ever go coach in a big school again. I don't think he wants to. Um, but if he does, I think he'll do terrific. But, like, all these guys, they've always done it their way, and they don't really care who they piss off or hurt because ultimately what's a coach's goal? To win. And as long as you're winning, no one's going to say anything. But the minute you lose, like Calipari at Kentucky, losing to St. Peter's this year, well, now they're talking about buying him out and letting him go. His buyout's $56 million. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, peace out. <laughs> right. I'm going to – And you look, gonna... at that, you look at that list of coaches that you just went over there, Pat. Can you find anywheres in the past history – now, I'm not talking about boosters. I'm not talking about fans. Can you go back in past history on almost any one of those coaches and find any players that were disgruntled with them? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, you because you think about uh, uh, Coach K's last game, J.J. Redick. He literally came out and said, Coach K hated me, but I respected him as a coach because right. he wanted more from me, but I didn't want to give it. And he still made the NBA. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that's a, that's a really good example. I mean, but most of these guys, the number one thing they, they have, there's two things. Like you said, they don't care about what anybody thinks. But number one – they become, over the course of their careers, what I call player coaches, okay? They gain – and number two, they gain the respect of their players. And once you get that combination, in my opinion, as a coach, that's what makes – that's what makes a guy go from your everyday college basketball coach that wins 20 games every other year to the guy who every year – wins 25 plus and it comes down to the bottom line of they want to win and they're going to win however they think they can do it and those are the guys that are successful you're not going to see if cal if calipari went in the next five tournaments i don't know about five the next three tournaments <laughs> got bounced in the first round let's say he's still going to have a job coaching division one college basketball maybe not at kentucky but he's still going to have a job if he wants to so. Well, just I mean, just one other thing that we could get back on topic. Um, you know, I, I sit here and I look at, you know, why doesn't a school because we went there? Why doesn't a school like Chicago State? Go hire somebody. I now granted, I know it's probably money, but I know they got a lot of it now because they cut a program. And, you know, what what? I want to know your aspect, and I'm going to add something else after I hear your answer. Um, why why don't they go after like a – because you can't tell me that Shy State is not a more attractive job than St. Peter's for a basketball. You can't tell me that. You're in the heart of Chicago. Right. right. And, and it's hard. I mean, it, it's, an, it's an inner city school, as is St. Peter's. Um, you know, I remember when you guys were there, and I fought Followed it a lot closer, you know, watched Instagram accounts and, and, and Twitter accounts. And, you know, there were some guys that were interested in that job, but the school administration is kind of on a different planet, as you guys well know. And like you said, yeah. they cut a program, but they added one too. And, you know, does it take more money to run a soccer program than it does a baseball program? I don't think so. I mean, you don't have as many guys on a roster. The travel isn't as expensive, the hotels, so forth and so on. So on. 
But I don't think a school like Chicago State, and I'll say it, I don't think they're bought into athletics. I don't know what they're bought into, really. I, I think they're, um, you know, and not to get on the political side of things, but I think they're, they're more interested in the politics of what, they, what their philosophies are. And not that most people aren't, but when you're in a position as a university that's not a private university, you know, or accredited, or <laughs> in some cases, right? And so to me, that should be more of an open, if you will, an open mic minute type thing where you should, it should be the ideas and the ideals that are put forth there be a little bit looser than what they preach and what they practice so yeah i mean i'm i 100 percent agree with you and you know what happened to us at shy state is still to this day one of the shittiest things to ever happen um but you know we yeah. all moved on to better places for the most part yeah and i actually saw an interview the other day with uh Louisiana Lafayette's head baseball coach. And I know you coach baseball, college baseball, Dixie State, all that fun stuff. And after I say this, I kind of want to get your opinion and then we can get back on the sweet six. Sorry, it's gone so off trail, but it's been yeah. just a good. This could, be been, a, this could be a topic yeah. for another show. I mean, obviously, and, but I like I like it. I mean, and, I mean, I it, it, it all intertwines just because it's, I mean, even though Jawan Howard did beat up a coach, I think if, if that happens 10 years ago, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Whereas today, now I'm not saying what he did was right at all. But today it's viewed as like, oh, my God, what just happened? Like it, it is so much more hyped up now. Or, or, Pat, you'll see comparisons to things that Bobby Knight did by like grabbing a player yes. or throwing a chair in the direction of an official. You'll see those comparisons. The question I have for you is if, if, if Jawan Howard had gotten fired, okay, if he had gotten terminated for this, what, what would have been the fallout? And what if only schools like a school like Chicago State was willing to give him a job? Would he take it, number one? What would the, what would the fallout be? I mean, is it, is it, does it become in the Jawan Howard realm all about him or does it become – all about him trying to prove that he's not the guy that went nuts one night and hit somebody. So, oh uh, yes. Well, yeah, just, uh, just building off of that. Um, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Jawan Howard is actually, I, I would like to play for him as a player. If I'm being honest, like I, I don't condone what he did, but I think he knows how to coach and how to get the best out of his players. And, uh, you know, like I said about that interview that I saw from the Louisiana Lafayette guy, it was their baseball coach. And he was talking about how if you coach a kid hard now, you're a bully. So our coach at Chi State, Coach uh, Jocelyn, you know, he was a great, like, great guy to be around. He was a great guy to be around. He was a great guy to have. Very good clubhouse guy. Would you say, Blake? I, you know, I'd agree. Like, one quick point, just stepping in on you. I thought oh. it was an interesting point. Uh, what my dad said is making it all about him. And, and what I think was a great example of that 
is Deion Sanders down at Jackson State. But look what he's been able to do down there. And the recruits he's been kidding. Turned around their whole program. Whole program. I bet you 99% of the people didn't even know Jackson State was a place. Now they're getting number one recruits in football all over the place, you know. So it's interesting with the whole Howard thing with with Chicago State. First of all, I mean, I don't think Chicago State could sell the school and have enough money to pay Howard to (laughs) coach there. So I don't think it would make much of a difference. But I guess one last thing before we kind of roll back into our show and and where we're going is there's so many schools out there that it just – you, you look at you look at the city of Chicago, and I know we're using that as an example. You look at Chicago State, you look at Loyola of Chicago, and you look at UIC, the three Division ones that are in that area. How of, out of all those three schools, how different the basketball talent is between Northwestern, between Loyola Chicago, between UIC, and between Chicago State? Chicago State does not match up with any of those teams, right? Northwestern is still a very good team. UIC, I'd say they're probably the bottom of the barrel with Chicago State, not as bad. But then you look at Loyola Chicago on the on the again on the north side of Chicago. But you can't tell me that the difference between all of those teams is that far apart, and that just that turns down onto what schools are doing with the coaching standpoint, how much money they're funding to athletic programs. I mean, you saw it again. You brought it up with what happened to us where we had our our whole team shut down, right? So I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to finally go into my pick with Houston and Arizona. Um, and then, we'll, again, we'll go into the final four. Um, I know we got a little off topic, but it was, like you said, it was a good discussion. And going into that game, does anybody know where that Houston-Arizona game is by chance, where it's being played? Uh, yeah, it is being played at uh, San Antonio, Texas, I believe at the AT&T Center. That's 100% correct. Now, did anybody watch what Great. happened in the Arizona – Thanks, Pat. Did anybody <laughs> see what happened in the Arizona TCU game? Yes. From a fan standpoint. It was yes. a home game for Arizona, right? I think this is going to be the exact opposite, and I think this is going to be a home game for Houston. I think Houston's a better team. I think if they have the crowd behind them and it turns into – if you want to call it a home game, you can call it a home game. Houston's bigger. I think they shoot the ball better. I wasn't, yeah, I was impressed with what Arizona was able to do in the in the Pac-12 championship. Houston's home record this year was 16 and one. Okay. They get the crowd behind them, they're gonna win the game. I think they're gonna win the game with ease. Kind of like my dad said, possibly by 10 or more points. So we've rolled through the Sweet 16, and now we're going to go quick here uh, to wrap up the show. We're going to give a final four, and then we're going to wrap up with a Mike Minute, whatever he's got on tap. He's going to let it fly, and we'll, we'll, we will see you next week. Pat, uh, out of the West, who do you got in the final four? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to go with Villanova. Uh, okay, that is the South, but all right. Oh, shit, my bad. Uh, the West, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. All righty, Tech, who do you got out of the East? Out of the East, I'm going to go with UCLA, UCLA. Okay, you said Nova out of the South and Midwest? And the Midwest, I'm going the Jayhawks and the Cheatin' Bill South. 
All righty. Mike, who you got in the final four? You ain't cheating, you ain't winning. Out of the West, I have Gonzaga. Out of the East, I have UNC. Out of the South, I have Nova. And then I still have Kansas out of the Midwest. Okay, moving on to Pops, who you got? Well, I think the Russians hacked me and I got knocked out there for a second, but I'm I'm back. <laughs> and um, in, the, in the East, Da-da. I'm going to go with the UCLA Bruins. And they're going to face in the West the Gonzaga Bulldogs. In the South, I have the Houston Cougars. At least one Cougars team could win. Facing the Midwest champion, Kansas. All righty, I'm going to roll into my final four. Uh, kind of, I think we might honestly have four different teams here rolling. Uh, out of the West, I got Texas Tech. I think they're going to prove to be too much for Gonzaga if Gonzaga even makes it past Arkansas. Uh, down in the East, I think I'm going Purdue. I think they're going to have Purdue. They're going to get a win versus the Peacocks. And then I think it's going to be a battle either against UNC or UCLA, but I think they match up better against those teams, both, again, on the boards. If Edie has a day, they'll be fine. They'll be able to control the time of possession. They'll be all right. Uh, out of the Midwest, I have KU. And in the South, I got Houston. Uh, I'm going to roll back through the board one more time here. Uh, I want you to give me your, your now national championship prediction. Uh, mine is still going to remain the same. Uh, actually, it's going to change because I had Kentucky. I take that back. Um, uh, national championship prediction and your your national champion. Uh, Pat, I'll roll with you. My um, national championship game, I'm going to go with uh, Nova and UCLA. Nova and UCLA. Go Bruins. Okay. Um, the only change I had was – well, Baylor's no longer in, so I got Gonzaga taking that spot uh, against Kansas, and it doesn't matter. Kansas still wins. Nice. Well, Mike, I've got uh, – I'm going to match you there. I'm, I'm going to have Gonzaga beating UCLA and Kansas beating Houston. And so it's going to be Gonzaga and Kansas in the national championship game, and I think it's going to be a classic. And – Maybe you guys can go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a, a slight lean, and I'm not going to make a very big bet on the game. I'll just tell you that because I think it could go either way. But I'm I'm going to go with the Zags, the, the original seven to two favorite to win the national championship. Uh, I just think, like I said earlier, I think that Gonzaga had, had a big time wake up call, and the way they came out in that second half of that last game was just the Gonzaga we've known to come in, and for me, love. Um, just, I mean, it was, I remember talking to Blake at, at halftime thinking that there was no chance that Gonzaga was coming back. I'll say that I didn't think the way that they played the first half that they were coming back. And Blake said to me, he goes, really dad, you don't think so? And I said, I said, they're an eight point favorite in the second eight half, eight, eight and a half point favorite. And I said, I'm not laying it. And basically if you're going to lay it, it means they're going to come back and win the game. And uh, they did. And it just, it, it showed, you know, Mark Few, another guy that is going to have a coaching advantage in my, in my opinion, over everybody in the tournament, maybe with the exception of 
of a very close matchup with a guy like Kelvin Sampson. So, Mark Few, the guy who uh, likes to drink with you. <laughs> hey, um, I just want to say this. I want to before before I you finish up, Blake. I appreciate you guys letting me into this. I really had a good time. Um, last few months, as you know, have been really really rough on me, and this is was fun. And I I I would love to do shows with you guys in the future, you know, college baseball or MLB, uh, that kind of stuff. It just, I could talk this kind of stuff all day. I just, it's, it's what I do and what I love. And so I appreciate it, Blake, Pat and Mike. I appreciate you guys. You know, we love you, Papa Cat. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, well, I mean, we'll have another, our final four national championship show next week. And so if we don't have another guest appearance, I mean, you're more than welcome to come on the show whenever you want. So uh, leading into my picks again, I, I had tech Purdue, Houston and KU. I got KU over Houston. And what I think is going to be probably again, maybe the second best game behind Arizona and Houston. Uh, and K, KU just best team in the country, in my opinion. Then I got Texas tech over Purdue tech and KU in the national championship, a all big 12 matchup. I love the big 12. Going KU, I'm sticking with it. Haven't changed it, kind of like what Mike said earlier in the show. He had KU as well, and there's no reason for him to change that. That's going to wrap it up for our March Madness show. But you know what? We haven't had one in a while, and I have no idea what's coming. Mike has no idea. Or well, my, I hope Mike knows what's coming. Pat doesn't know what's coming. Uh, I'm going to roll it in with a Mike minute. Mike, the floor is all yours, my man. Actually, Blake, you do know exactly where this is going. Um, I, I messaged you about the idea like probably a week or so ago. Um, usually I go off of what is irritating me at the time. This time I'm going to make everyone here think a little bit, be creative. So at, ever since COVID, we've had talks of relocation and talks of uh, expansion. Um, throughout MLB, throughout NHL, you have the Coyotes having a very rough situation down there in Arizona. I'd like to um, get everyone's opinion on where you, everyone thinks Arizona should go. Um, same with MLB. You have Tampa Bay. You have, um, well, you had Toronto having issues getting back into Canada. They had played in Buffalo for a bit. So that opens up my question. Where would you guys like to see a relocation? Who would you choose to lose a team to, for a different city to gain a team? And I'd like to see what everyone thinks about this. Uh, who do you want to go first, Mike? Um, hmm. I will go with our guest. I'll go Mr. Kaplan. Okay. Um, I think there's several markets that are interesting mike i you know you look back like years ago when the flames played in atlanta um the thrashers i'm sorry are you talking about the hockey team yeah well they were the atlanta flames at one time uh the th they were the thrashers but then they turned they they turned into the winnipeg jets no the, um there was a atlanta flames before with calgary Fr yeah, flames yeah like there was yeah way to go yeah, idiot so what, Shit I, for brains. what I'm getting at here, Mike, real quickly is I think somewhere is in the South, but it has to be in a major city in the South. Uh, um, 
maybe a Virginia where uh, lacrosse and amateur hockey has grown. Um, maybe a South Carolina, but it would have to be in like a Columbia type arena because um, it did fail in Atlanta. And, you know, I, I think when you look at mid Midwestern states, you could go into a couple Midwestern states that don't have franchises. And um, I mean, why does, why does a state like North Dakota, couldn't a state like North Dakota support uh, an NHL team? You know, the Dakotas and those type of states, I think would be their, their college hockey support is unparalleled. Uh, maybe it's only Boston and, 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 and a couple other places. So, yeah, I would say the somewheres in the South or in the Midwest. I'll let you take it and then I'll wrap it up. All right. Well, uh, you know, if I had to pick a place, I'd probably go like Vermont. I just think it'd be cool. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about the Northeast and hockey. Uh, for my, for, again, for my opinion on the whole hockey thing, I thought it was interesting that Seattle had gotten a team before uh, Canada got another one. I mean, I know we already have Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, and a few others up there. Um, if I were to go, if I were to keep it in the United States, I, I, I think it's interesting when you look at markets kind of like Vegas and Nashville, where they love hockey, right? And it, it's almost a show. So if I were to look at a show type of thing, I wouldn't see the issue with putting a team in Miami. I, I know we have, we have uh, the Florida Panthers down there in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I mean, you still, it would be about an hour and a half, maybe not about an hour away. If you put them way down in the South, I think another team down there that can fight in the Atlantic with uh, Tampa and now the Florida Panthers, I think that'd be a really cool uh, thing down there. Uh, for Major League Baseball, um, I'm going to say Las Vegas or, or Nashville. I, I think you can see what those, those cities have done with their hockey, kind of like I just said. And I think they would do the same thing with baseball. I think both cities, especially you, I mean, you see it with Vanderbilt, uh, the baseball market that they're able, they're able to show there in Nashville, Vegas hasn't really ever had the opportunity. Um, but what they, what they've done with the Raiders and what they've done with the golden Knights, I think proves that they can hold a professional, another professional sports team in major league baseball. And I don't think that'd be an issue. Um, so yeah, that would be my that would be my answer, and I thought that was that's a really good point you had there, Mike. Um, I'll let you wrap it up. Where 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 do you think these teams should go? Or NHL, you have Vegas that plays on the Strip, you have Nashville that plays on Broadway. Why can we not get a team to play in New Orleans on Bourbon Street? I would love to see something like that. We ha you have a, a rowdy crowd in Nashville and in Vegas. I don't see why uh, we, we wouldn't get a rowdy crowd in New Orleans too for the NHL. For the MLB, I've, I'm terrified to see the Oakland A's move to Vegas after how we see like the Raiders go in. I don't want to see another um, relocation team in Vegas. Vegas needs to have their own identity. So I don't want to see that. Nashville would be a fun one. Uh, they have a really good baseball market. But I might be a little bit biased here, but I would love to see MLB come to Buffalo. We have uh, a really 
really interesting baseball um, experience now since we had Toronto come to us during COVID. And not too many people know this, but my grandpa was actually on the um, construction crew for building the ballpark. And the ballpark in Buffalo that holds, holds the Bisons is actually made to expand the seating capacity if an MLB team ever comes here. The only issue with Buffalo is parking. Parking downtown Buffalo is atrocious, but I would love to see Buffalo get an MLB team. You know, I really like your point on the, the New Orleans thing with the hockey team. You see how they are with football and the Saints and how crazy they are week in and week out every Sunday or Monday night. Um, yeah, I think that would be actually really cool. I, I think both Vegas, Nashville, and, and Seattle – to a little bit of a lesser extent, I, I think this whole Seattle thing was maybe overplayed just a bit. Um, and it's kind of died down late just because they're just not good this year. Um, but that's going to do it for Mike's Minute. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get one last thought out of Pat here. I'm going to make him work for another 30 seconds. And I want, his, I want his full and uncensored opinion on <laughs> Ryan the Hockey Guy. <laughs> Ryan the hockey guy I think we are living rent free in that man's head and even though you know we didn't get flurry for the nights uh, it's going to be like I told him the other day man it's going to be tough watching flurry in the playoffs and the nights at home baby so Ryan, Ryan kudos good. to you you'll be done at the end of the season also buddy Ryan's, Ryan's a good company man if that's for sure he uh he, he never has anything negative to say about anybody. He's a, never. He's a great. He's a great. Except company. Flurry. Except Flurry. Except Flurry. But he's. I mean, great, I, He's a great company man. The VGK love that type of guy. So the only thing I disagree with you, Pat, on is that as long as Robin Leonard is the number one goalkeeper for the Las Vegas Neilers then Ryan Lawless, <laughs> Ryan Lawless will remain as the voice of their post-game show. For some reason, just... he, has, he has a severe, severe affection for Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard could do no wrong. And I, I'm, I'm well documented, and I'm going to say it. I, it makes no sense to me how you get rid of the face of the franchise in – Marc-Andre Fleury, a guy who loved being here, who did so much for the Las Vegas community and for the Vegas Knights and was an original member of the Vegas Knights. And you decided to just basically, like Gerard Gallant, toss him to the curb for a kneeler. A guy that kneeled at arguably the worst time in this country's history. And remember... The Knights, Mike, to your point, the Knights, Knights were a Vegas-born team, okay? They were born right after October 1, 2017, when this town was in limbo with what happened on that night. And for someone like Reeves and Leonard to kneel at arguably the roughest time in the country's history, I lost all support and I will, I will not, I am not a supporter of the Vegas Golden Knights until Leonard is gone. And when Leonard goes, I think you'll see 
I think you'll see guys like Ryan Lawless drop not too long after it. But I will say this, Pat. You, I love it when you go on the show because he gets so rattled. And what you'll notice is he takes one phone call after you. He waits for one call for some snapperhead to call in and say, oh, I like the way you gave it to that guy. Yeah, And then as soon as he gets his satisfaction out of it, he says, okay, that's it. We're going to wrap it up for the night. And he goes on to the next night. And he gets his Stephanie ones and his Stephanie twos and his all these people that have no idea what a fan base should truly be about to call Man. in and support him. But when you call in, you got his number, bud. And, and you guys, honestly, if you want, you can edit this. You can edit me out on this if you feel like you want to. But that's that's truly how I feel. I'll never support any athlete. I don't care how strong I feel about the team that that kneels for our anthem. I won't do it. It's against my constitution. I just won't do it. And I and I and I don't believe anybody should, to be honest with you. And it, it, it defies me how a fan base can just look past that and still be as strong a fan base and support a guy like Robin Leonard versus a guy like Mark Andre Fleury. And nobody wants to talk about it. And frankly, I don't care what people think of my opinion. I think my opinion is, is, is red, Yours. white, and blue. It's red, white, and blue, and it's honest. That's my uh, BK minute. I mean, my, my biggest thing with Ryan, though, is just like, yeah, we call in, you know, to ruffle some feathers every now and then. But then, like, when we ans- when we ask him a question also, he just kind of – he doesn't – he really avoids it most of the time, doesn't he, Blake? I'd agree. Like, I mean, or we'll make a statement and, like, yeah, well, sure. Many, we, how, how, we many, kept... how many goals were there tonight, Pat? Well, no, it was did anybody score tonight? <laughs> did anybody score tonight? Yeah, well, yeah the Flames. <laughs> like, like, I mean, he – like, obviously, Flurry was never coming back. And I know, though, his butthole puckered when that report came out that said Flurry could possibly – Reunite. I know his butthole puckered that morning. Couldn't fit a blade of grass in there when that came out. Man, if that would have happened, I would have been the host of the VGK postgame show. You would have been. And and I would have been your co-host. And, I mean, he just – I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Like, truthfully, I don't think he's a bad guy. But, like you said, I just – I'm a Cubs fan. And, you know, it was nice when KB was over there. You know, they were winning all the time. But, like – we would call in and, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbow still, even though they won the World Series. It was like, well, what are we going to do with Schwarber now that he blew out his knee? You know, where's what's he going to benefit us for? And with the Knights fans, I always feel like every time they call in and we listen to the whole show, they sit there and they'll be like, well, the sun set at 7.15 tonight, so that's why the Knights couldn't score. Yep. Or Leonard, Leonard didn't have enough to uh, – uh, he didn't have enough uh, people helping him this morning, so he can't. Like, it's just stupid. Like, it's just, just admit yeah. they sucked. They sucked. Yeah. A couple, about a week ago, Blake called in with some stats that he threw at Ryan, and he absolutely blew his mind. I think you guys both called in that night, and it just, it was, it was all facts, and he didn't know where to turn. He really did not know where to turn that night. Um, but I, I'll say this, guys. This has been fun. Like I said earlier, I think a show 
shows like this talking about current events in sports or just really being able to release your opinions and feel like, you know, I mean, keeping it clean, but being able to say, like I said tonight, that I'll never support a kneeler. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. It's not white. It's not black. It's not race. It's I'm not going to support a guy that kneels. I don't care if he's white, black, purple, polka dots. I'm not going to support it. I refuse. And even though this is my hometown team here, at least in the, in the near future, I won't support that team until Robin Leonard is gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind you on that. Like uh, uh, in regards to just like, why do I get that their job is to, you know, support the team as a post game host. Cause I mean, Ryan is rattled by us. Oh, Just definitely. because, like, Blake spits facts. I spit a little stupidity followed with, like, an arrogantly correct statement. Like, yeah, all hey, three of your, all three of your uh, aliases do that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, apparently. All yeah. Apparently, so, all three of them. Apparently, I'm the – apparently, I've got 16 social security numbers. And right. Ryan's – I mean, I might be Ryan the hockey guy. I don't know. Um, but he's got more friends on Instagram, so he's got you there, Pat. I mean – yeah, well, beats me off, weather, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, battery fans, that's good. I'm gonna kind of cut it off here a little short, even though we went a little long today. Um, <laughs> what I thought was gonna be about a 30 minute show about the Sweet 16 turned into the about Ryan the Weatherman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll say that. So, uh, I'm gonna wrap it up for Mike, uh, our guest host. Um, uh hudson or whoever pat wants to go by tonight and whoever ryan wants to yell at yep. i'll take the blame and we will see you uh let's see before the final four and yeah uh we'll wrap this thing up and remember the national, summer, the it's national goals final not runs in hockey here, right. here, here's a last note remember this the bookies drive the mercedes and the betters take the bus i'm out all right mic drop shit <laughs> all right battery fans we'll see you uh mike's got a long night ahead of him between editing and downloading and post for uh tomorrow. <laughs> so, we will see you next week <laughs> oh my God, what a show good night